Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The score! This hour is brought to you by CarX Tire and Auto online at carx.com. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. As the clock winds out on the Philadelphia Eagles, a game they thought would project them into a possible wild card position. It would bring them 7-5 and five had they won, but a late interception by the Giants will preserve a Giant victory. An upset win as the Giants lead 17-12 to 12 and we're inside 30 seconds. The Eagles have no timeouts. Wait a minute. Here's a free foot. I don't believe it. The Eagles pick it up and Herman Edwards runs it in for a touchdown. An incredible development. Just doesn't get the snap. He just loses the snap, doesn't get it. And who's right there? Herman Edwards picks it up on the dead run and goes in for a touchdown. Wow, I didn't think we'd get the Pesarchic fumble today with that kind of audio clarity, too. Good stuff from Mike Rankin. That is outstanding. We we love the fact that we've got Herm Edwards here on the show. He joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Herm, thanks so much for joining us today. you got Dan Bernstein, myself, Lawrence Holmes, and Layla Rahimi here with you. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Herb, I'm so curious just what your plan is for next football season. Before we even start with your opinions on so many things to talk about, the NFL and college football, what is your next move? What's your next plan? Well, obviously I'll be in studio talking about it like I did this year. Um, that's kind of where I'm at in my life at this point. Uh, I was very fortunate to spend about 35 years in the National Football League uh, playing and coaching. So uh, I've seen a lot in those years believe it or not. And, and sometimes you see things and you go, you know, I didn't see that before. It's interesting. <laughs> Football has changed. And, and when I go back to when I played and, and, and you watch the athletes play in today's game, um, the quarterback, especially the position of the quarterback, right. And, and you guys got one in Chicago that um, has a chance to be pretty special. Um, uh, you, you're hoping he takes the same leaps that uh, Hurst has taken as a passer um, you know, get him some help at the offensive line, uh, get him some more weapons to play with, and um, you might have something there for a while in Chicago. So I, I think when you watch quarterbacks play in today's world, uh, one that just decided to retire was Tom Brady. Um, he was a guy that was uh, kind of the poster boy of how the quarterbacks play in the pocket. Uh, that's changed since he's come in the league. Uh, you see a lot of these guys now that are, that are dual quarterbacks that come from college and coaches are willing to, to implement those systems uh, in, in pro football. And it's, it's made a difference. There's no doubt about that. 
you were able to see this at the college level too when you mm-hmm. you had a bunch of guys that were playing for you at Arizona State that that had the same type of skills. So when you turn on the tape of Justin Fields, what do you think makes him so dangerous? Well, his ability to get off script and make the unannounced play. You know, when when quarterbacks get off script, the problem you have with that, you haven't practiced that. <laughs> you haven't defended that because you don't know what it looks like, right? Because it just kind of happens. Uh, when you look at Philadelphia, the way they do things offensively, uh, using the RPO system, you balance the you balance the field now. It's eleven on eleven football. You know, it used to be eleven on ten. The defense always had an extra guy because the quarterback didn't run. And every once in a while, I mean, we I played against a couple quarterbacks like that. Fran Tarkenton was one, right? Uh, Vince Evans. Uh, who played for the Bears, right? Uh, he he could run a little bit, but he wasn't like the guys in today's game, right? Archie, Archie so Manning, they, maybe? Yeah, Archie. I got Archie early, you know, and people don't realize how good he was. Uh, you know, he, he played on a not a very good football team, but 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 he was an athlete that could run some. But nowadays, uh, you know, it, they're different, and they're big, and they're strong, and they can run fast, you know, and, and I just think that that poses a problem for defenses all over the field. I love watching defenses move now because everybody, even even the fat guys, are short area quick, and and mm-hmm. and, and the, the pads are all stripped down now. That guy <laughs> guys are you know where you guys are all wearing bookshelves on your shoulders. Oh boy! And, yeah. you know, well, ju- it, was, it was yeah. The game was played inside the hash marks and inside the numbers, right? I mean, it was a running league when I played. I mean, you had great runners. Not that you don't have great runners now, but you you had great runners. Uh, back in, in those in those eras. I mean, you guys had one of the greatest, right, Walter Payton. Mm-hmm. And you could win a lot of football games that way. I still believe that, you know, in in, in this league, uh, you got to throw it to score points, but to win, you got to run and play defense. And well, that I still think holds up. Well, the problem that I'm having with the way the league is changing, if we're talking about some of these general concepts, is that the officials can't keep up. Mm. Everything is too fast and free flowing, mm. and they're they're they can't look at the same spots of the field where they think mm. the action is going to be for all the reasons you've you have described. And I don't know what can be done about it. I know they're trying to do this expedited video system, but it's got to get mm. better because as a fan, it's incredibly unsatisfying sometimes. Well, especially um, when championship games are are talked about. And they end, and you talk about the officiating. That's the last thing the league wants, right? You don't want to be talking about officials at the championship game. You want to be talking about the game. <laughs> so if that can probably be a problem. The NFL will do something. They might have to add another official. But go ahead, dear. You were interrupted, rudely interrupted, and I know you had a question. <laughs> not is, my show, but I'm just, I, you know, I do these things, so I get it. <laughs> it is, it is okay. Right. We were trying to figure out who's handing off. It's, it's a poorly run wishbone sometimes, you know, <laughs> as much my fault as anybody. I'm definitely running into a fullback no, as that, a fullback. That was me but, at the mesh point, right. sorry. But Herm, you, you bring up an interesting point when it comes to, you talking about running the ball. So this is a mm. contrast of styles to me in the Super Bowl when you have a very run-based offense in Philly, opens it yeah. up in a traditional way for the pass, and then you have Kansas City, but I think it mm-hmm. still comes down to the same thing. Like, there's a reason Philly got here, and that running game will always, always, always be there, especially when you consider Hurts' condition right now. Yeah, no no doubt. And we say this in football, and we've said it since in the beginning of it, that um, a run game and good defense travel. It can play in any kind of conditions. 
And look, in, in today's world, and even in the world I played in, um, running is, is not pretty, right? It, it doesn't give you a lot of, oh, there's a lot of three-yard runs, two-yard runs, minus runs, and people give up on it. You know, coaches give up on it. They say, well, I can throw it out there for five yards and make five yards, right? And before you know it, you never get back to it. And you never allow the offensive linemen to really establish the line of scrimmage. You know, offensive linemen aren't built to drop back and pass protect all day. They want to actually come off and double team and go hit somebody and get to the next level and get to the linebacker. They want to do that stuff. And Philadelphia is a team that they don't give up on the run. I mean, the game against San Francisco now, it was marred, obviously, when you lose both quarterbacks and their ability to throw the football. But I thought it was really kind of unique when they lined up in trips and ran away from the trip side, right? Because they understood that the RPO game, they had one more man than the defense had. And they went to the weak side, and they basically kicked out Bosa with the tackle. They took the guard and blocked him down on the three technique and then pulled the center up on the linebacker. And now that became a problem, (laughs) you know, because – the defense didn't take the safety out of the middle of the field and say, hey, you got the quarterback. They let him play center field. Well, you're a man short. And that's where they were hitting those guys with San Francisco. San Francisco had a great defense. But they kept running that ball to the weak side, and they were a man short. And, and that's the uniqueness of running the ball. Once you find out where their weakness is, you keep attacking it until they fix it. And if they don't fix it, you just keep running there. Herm Edwards joining us here on The Score. Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi talking with the coach. Herm, the Bears are running – a, a defense that you're very familiar with. They're running mostly cover two under Matt Eberflus. Yep. I'm right. curious, depending from what you know and how you see the game changing, because they need help everywhere on that defense, <laughs> but where would you go first? Would you go look for the, the, the butt-kicking three technique, or would you go for the butt-kicking pass rusher on the edge? Yeah, you got to have three technique. We have Warren Sapp. Look, on that defense in Tampa now, there's four, there's four Hall of Famers. Right, and it's built in. It's built in the middle out. It, look, any any great defense is always built in the middle. Basketball, baseball, football, all built in the middle. We had Sapp, we had Derek Brooks, <laughs> we had John Lynch, Rondy. and Rondy Barber was the nickelback. He's not in the Hall of Fame, but he should be. And we replaced the linebacker with Rondy Barber, and basically, Rondy Barber's are like like the strong safety when you take out the wheel linebacker, <laughs> because you go three receivers. He's a strong safety. He blitzed. He did everything. So. When you do that, you got to build your defense in the middle. Look, the great defenses of the Chicago Bears, last time I checked, they had a middle linebacker. We know who they were. They were pretty good, by the way. But they built it in the middle, and you built it for the middle out. You know, and you mentioned cover two. I mean, we didn't have great defensive ends. We had good defensive ends. But the key when you play Tampa two is you disrupt the wide receiver so they can't get downfield vertically you got a middle backer that can run fast with that number three guy running up the seam, and you have two safeties that basically play half the field, and they're good run supporters as well. They run the alleys, right? So, you know, pass rush is pass rush, but when you disrupt the ones and they can't go vertically, you have time to get to the quarterback because they're not getting down the field, and you got to be patient with it. They're going to hit five yards, six yards, but eventually quarterbacks don't like doing that. They want to throw the ball. They don't want to make a five-yard completion, right? And that's what we banked on, that they were going to mess up, and they did it a lot. (laughs) Herb, something I've been thinking about, especially fresh off of your experience at Arizona State and with Mm -hmm. all of the changes that have come to college football, I always found it interesting to hear coaches talk about 
where they wanted to work. And there had been times yeah. that everybody in the NFL was like, you know, some of these college jobs would just be real nice. Sort of this grass is greener thing. And then college coaches were like, oh, I hate the recruiting grind. I'd like to right. have some time to play a little golf and see my family. How does it right. stand now as so many things have homogenized and NIL is changing the, that job? Where do coaches, where would they want to be with all things being equal? Well, I think you want to go to a place where you, obviously you can have some success. And either way, I, I think it's, it, it, for me, the thing I understood with those jobs is still developing young men. In college, you get to watch them grow up and you, and, and you get them to graduate. And, and we, we graduated a lot of guys and sent a lot of guys to the NFL. And that's what I promised parents. I didn't promise them anything else. I said, they're going to graduate. And if they're talented enough, then they'll have an opportunity to go to the NFL. I didn't say, your son comes here, he's going to the NFL. I didn't say that. I said, he will be coached like that. He's going to have to do the work. In pro football, they want to know when you're the coach, how can you extend their career? right? Because they want to stay in the NFL and make money. You mentioned money. Now college football is <laughs> with this portal, mm-hmm. it's free agency every week. Because <laughs> you got to re-recruit your players because they can leave. And that's the hard part. You know, in the NFL when the player signs a contract, you got him. He can't go anywhere. College football has changed that. I mean, you're, gonna, you're not going to get a kid for the most part to stay there for four years unless he's a starter. If he feels he can go somewhere else and have an opportunity to start, he's going to leave. If, if somebody's willing to obviously do something for him, he's going to leave, and, and that's what you're dealing with. So you're recruiting your own players. As much as you want to go get some, some young guys, that's great. But you got to recruit them every year because you're going to miss them. They're, they're, some of them are going to leave. I want to address something that you also mentioned about Justin Fields. No, you talk about it on a national level, of course. But given that college background that you've seen, you're now in taking NFL-level talent at that level, and then you're also seeing how the game is changing, especially where you were and how much college film that you've watched recently. Mm-hmm. How did that affect your viewpoint of Justin Fields, knowing how the talent coming up in these next couple of years in the NFL is also going to change with that. Because to me, he is a modern quarterback. And I don't just say yeah. that from a from a running level. I say that from everything and how he sees the field and the talent that he's used yeah. to facing. Yeah, look, I mean, when that position, especially that position, not saying that a quarterback that's not mobile can't play. Look, we just watched the guy retire that went to seven Super Bowls. <laughs> okay? It wasn't like, he, okay. So it, it's just a matter of, who that guy is with the ball in his hand. And what are you asking him to do within his skill set? And this is where it, it, gets, it gets a little sticky for some coaches. Because I've always said this, you know, we've had some coaches just being hired, right? And, there, you know, four jobs, five jobs are available or whatever. We've got three coaches hired. And it's funny because I've always said this, when you hire a coach, they, you know, people's fans, well, his system, we like, he doesn't bring the players with him. He brings the playbook, but he doesn't bring the players with him. And if you're not willing to look at your system and say, hmm, by the way, I'm going to have to tweak my system some because the players I have right now, I don't have all those guys that I had in San Francisco. I don't have all those guys that I had in Tampa Bay. I don't, wherever, wherever you came from, you go, okay, I get it, but I got to make sure I make these players successful. So are you willing to massage your system, especially – at the quarterback position. And this is where a lot of guys fail. 
They bring in a system and say, well, you're going to run the system as a quarterback. That quarterback got no shot. And then he fails, you fail, the team fails. Herm, you brought up Vince Evans earlier, and I was thinking yes. about being a kid and watching Vince Evans. You're growing mm-hmm. up on the south side of Chicago and watching Vince Evans play. And now here we are. You know, you spent 45 yeah. years in and around NFL, and we have two black quarterbacks that are getting ready mm-hmm. to start the Super Bowl. And I know that you saw two of your friends in Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith be yeah. the first two black coaches to square off inside right. of a Super Bowl as coaches. What does it mean to you that we've gotten to a place where two black quarterbacks are starting in the biggest game? Well, it, it, it's obviously it, it's, it is, it's historic. Um, I remember Doug Williams was the first one, right? Um, and, you know, it, it, it's a look, when I came in the National Football League, <laughs> to be quite honest, there, there were only 28 teams. Think about that. And think about this number. If you think this one you're talking about right now, the two black, co- the two black quarterbacks, that's great. But think about the number I'm about to tell you. In 1977, when I came to the league, there was 28 teams. There were only seven coaches of color. I'm going to say it again, seven. Wow. This is 1977, not 1957, seven. And there was one black quarterback, right? Wasn't, wasn't James Harris the only one? Yes, Shaq Harris. We, we had a backup named John Walton, uh, was a black quarterback behind Jaworski. But, you know, so this league is, is, is really a – it really reflects our society because our society is multicultural. And this is what sports brings. It brings the, the ability to bring all type of athletes together, regardless of color, you know, religion, it doesn't matter. And you form this team. You know, that's America. That's what it should look like. And when you say these two black quarterbacks, I understand it's history, you know, but – Everywhere I've been, I've been the first black head coach. <laughs> I've been three places. I've been the first black head coach. Wow. And I always end the press conference with this. I want there to be a day to when a coach of color gets hired that we don't say, well, he's a black coach. He's just a coach. He's just a coach. It's like the quarterbacks. You know, we say we got two black quarterbacks in Super Bowl. You know what? They're just the quarterbacks. And I get it. It's history. It's history. But it's like, let's get to the point where, say, you know, the guy's got quarterbacks. This is our quarterback. And we don't care what he looks like. It's just, he's a quarterback, right? I want to I see that day when we get there. Then I know we're, we got to where we needed to be. Every time I think we're closer to that, I, I read another headline <laughs> or I see another story and I realize how far we are. Especially yeah. when it comes to like the coaching aspect, as you said, like you know, it, uh, another guy yeah. that that was that was on, I guess, like you start looking at the the coaching trees, and clearly yeah. was on Lovey Smith's coaching tree. Steve Wilkes in, in Carolina do this awesome yeah. job with, and no one thought that he was going to be able to do anything, and he ends up going six and six down the stretch, and he's barely getting interviewed, and stuff like that still doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it, it, it's funny when you say Lovey because you know we all came off Tony's tree. You know, we were all there with Tampa. I mean, it was Lovey, myself, Rod Marinelli, and then Mike Tomlin took my spot when I left. And, you know, Tony and myself came in the league together. You know, a lot of people don't know Tony was a quarterback at Minnesota. <laughs> and they changed it to safety when he went to Pittsburgh. This was in 1977. <laughs> so, 
there's a lot of history, but we're headed in the right direction. It's just it's one step at a time. And, you know, when you progress, you smile and you go, okay, let's continue to do that. But let's get to a place to where, you know what? Hey, the position is the position. Okay. It, it, he's a quarterback. Fine. Let's go play. Herm, this was delightful. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you, Herm. That's the delightful Herm Edwards, ESPN analyst, longtime NFL and college head coach. He can do just about anything. I knew he wasn't going to tell us, but just on the off chance, man. You just want to know what's next for him. I, I enjoyed him breaking down some defense for us, and, and, and he's right there with you, Dan. Go mm-hmm. get the ass-kicking three yeah, technique. You, you saw me sky point there. How about the subtweeting of Matt Nagy, too? Well, that was – I was like, am I the only one thinking mm, this? That's a chain of system. Uh-huh. System doesn't work. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> sure doesn't. I love what he had to say about the offensive line in the run game. You have to allow the offensive line to establish and dominate the line of scrimmage through the run game. Look, people who really know, at least in my opinion, that no football will talk about the body blow of the run game. Now, I'm not here saying that you have to figure out some sort of 50-50 split, but I think the Eagles are a perfect example of it. They hit you with it. They're like, come on and get some. And they do it in different formations. But if they have to play brute football, if they have to say if once we get into the goal line, and that's a, that's what we were talking about, 11 on 11 versus 11 on 10 because of what happened in Sunday's game, they know how to do it. And they know that it will soften up defenses. And players at end of games are like, oh, here they come again. They're pulling Jason Kelsey again. I got to deal with this again. I got to deal with Jalen Hurts getting out uh, on the perimeter again as these guys have been beating us up. And then you just wilt. I love when when you can do it right and the balance that they've struck. And that's why I'm glad that Herm sees it kind of like how we see it. Build the Bears the way that the Eagles have built around Jalen Hurts. It also, to me, and I know I said this a little bit before with Brian Baldinger, but every, and he's, Herm has seen this, especially at the college level. You think of like the most pass happy college offenses. They're still predicated on having a run game that could be a threat at any time and any down. And to me, that very much translates to what you're seeing with the Eagles right now because the way they are able to disguise personnel at the line of scrimmage. It's because they're getting people to know that they're a running threat on any down. You better come get some. Uh, this texter here from the 815 is saying it's almost sounding like Lovey Smith is the only reason they're blackhead coaches of any sort. Let me tell you something about Lovey Smith. You, Anyone who's listened to the score and remembers me covering the Bears knows that Lovey and I would go back and forth in press conferences. Lovey's idea of lifting as you climb when it comes to coaches and giving coaches opportunities he is very important to black coaches right now in the NFL and it it saddened me that he wasn't given a real chance and we all kind of knew he wasn't going to get a real chance in Houston but he went out of his way to try and find young talent and it's I think it's made more difficult for defensive coaches because the hiring of head coaches seems to be go find the offensive guys. And because of the dungy tree, like if we really want to get historic, 
because of the Dungy tree, a lot of those coaches that had success with Dungy were defensive coaches. They spoke the same language. We just talked to one of them. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we Mike Tomlin is on that staff. Mm-hmm. So you say, oh, well, they're having success. Let me go higher. But then the trend shifted and there weren't a lot of black offensive coaches in the pipeline. And that's still a struggle. And there's the enemies right there. Eric B enemies there. Pep Hamilton. Like, there's still some really smart ones, but there need to be more. And that's why I loved what was happening later on in Tampa Bay. Under, under Bruce. Well, Arians tried to do that and, and said that he did with Leftwich. And- Arians was doing it not just with people of color, but with women. Like, if you go look at the Bruce Arians staff, it is a – them winning the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, I thought, I was hoping, was going to be an opportunity for the NFL to go, oh, look at that. Look at, look at the way that that staff is put together. We should emulate that by hiring the best people that we can find, and we should open up the net to try and find more people who are different than the status quo. And because they were successful there, he was able to take what they consider, the outside considers, a risk. It's not a risk, but because of that success, they were able to do that more. And you know when you're talking about this, you know who I think should also take that step because he should and he can Nick Saban. Yeah, and he he has to a certain degree. Like when you start looking at like uh He's developed it, best practices. When you start looking at his staff and some of the people that that go through the Saban car wash, uh who's the Maryland coach? Is it Loxley? Mm-hmm. Like another one of those coaches. Mike Loxley. Yeah. Mike Loxley who he saw and he's like, yeah, that guy's got a thing. He just needs to figure out some of the structure. And now look at the Maryland program. Like it's been a successful football program, but that's where you want to see it change. It's, but real talk, Lovey Smith is a, is someone that deserves a lot of respect for trying desperately to change it. And he did it in, in a way that, that, People wouldn't recognize because he's not in front of microphones and stuff. But he gave a lot of coaches chances to succeed in in this business. Where he's from is also a very different place. Very different. West where, Texas? Big East Sand, Texas. Oh, Texas. Yeah, and, That's East. Okay. And where he's from, even when I was a news reporter there in 2006, there were counties that voted Democrat because Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. And that's his home county. Mm-hmm. So just consider that when you put your pieces of Lovey Smith together as to how he is. We have the luxury of being more free spoken where we are. But even in, we brought up Byron Leffage, and I'll just say this and I'll leave it at that. You look at the failure of Tampa Bay this year. And after being praised and having opportunities to be a head coach, he got blamed for what was Tom Brady deteriorating. You know what I mean? Like yeah. somehow that became Byron Leftwich's fault that you had Tom Brady kind of at the end of his career and they couldn't overcome it for a lot of reasons. But it was it was like, oh, well, the offensive coordinator is the problem. 
I, I mean, how many how many people is Patrick Mahomes going to make money for? You know, he's, how many people connected to Patrick Mahomes owe him money he, just for being connected to his name? A lot of people. Yeah. A I, whole lot of I'm people. I'm keeping a list on yeah, that some one. Some who made some money and then went back there to go back to the next. But, but he's he's grandfathered in, though, because yep. he gave him the answers to the test. Are we not going to talk about that weird flea flicker type play? Well, was the, it hook flea oh, the hook and ladder. But it was really failed. Like it was like a really, really bad. failed. And even had he completed it, he would have gotten tackled. It was like tackled. a hook and spike. It was bad. The uh, while we're talking football, next segment, uh, Layla uh, teased us during the pre-show meeting that said regarding the Tom Brady news and what that could potentially herald for others. What did you call it? A crazy retirement theory. Yeah, Mike Florio kind of touched on it, but. It's a crazy retirement theory. Let's reiterate it next here on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2. On Sports Radio 670 The Score. And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. Jim, if I knew what I was going to... Do, I'd have already done it. Okay, I'm taking it a day at a time. I think he knew, and of I think, he knew. and I think that touched a nerve because he knew, and that's uh, the forensic work that Mike Florio was doing to say, wait a second, that looked like that video was recorded a while ago, and he just decided to hit send a couple of days before his movie's coming he's, out. Okay, he's just not an authentic person, and you know what? It's fine because he's secured many bags. Like, if that's what you needed to do to get paid, then I guess I get it. But like, don't try to pretend like people don't see through you. Do you think that there's the possibility that we could get some authenticity from him going forward now that he doesn't have to play the the stupid cloak and dagger football game? If, if it's not there, he's going to be a terrible broadcaster. I think the difference is like, I immediately when you th- said that, I thought of MJ. I think the difference was Jordan wasn't trying to, he just was more reserved about what he outwardly portrayed, but you it wasn't like there was some 180 of personality there. He also wasn't. I don't think Jordan was inauthentic. No, that's what I'm saying. I really don't. I, there wasn't. Like, there really you just, just didn't know enough behind why he was doing what he did. You saw the moment where he broke, where he was like, before they went to commercial break, where he was like, you could see he showed remorse. Yeah, but he was Jordan just an appetite machine. Right. That, that's all he was. Jordan's a shark. He was but just an appetite machine. He was a d- destroy this, conquer this, defeat this, eat this, you know, have sex with that. It was just a constant stream Smokey of Robinson. appetites. Uh, I, if I never hear the names of those, those songs on that album again, I'll be okay. The difference to me is I think Brady, and listen, 
go, right? Like, that's not even arguable at this point. There's a lot of guys trying to be like that, but Brady, to me, is more like a cipher kind of how Tiger Woods had a manufactured facade before it all went to hell. That's a good call. So to me, that's kind of how I feel about Brady. None of this is actually part of my crazy retirement theory, but while we're here, let's... Keep going down this road, because I like where this road is going. I have another thing to add right here that I I, I forgot that I thought of because it actually came to me in a dream, and then I had to check it. So remind me at the end of this conversation, because I wrote it down. Wow. It, was a, it was a word you just used. It was, and I swear to God, it had to do with all of your eighty for Brady stuff. And I don't know why I dreamt this. And I and I woke up and I tried, I tried to find out if it made sense, and it kind of did. Yeah, that's that checks out. So remind out. me, remind me. As far as my crazy retirement theory, I've alluded to it here and there, and some of you have picked up on it more than others. Let's go back to it real quick. What do we know about Aaron Rodgers? One of the most self-centered people in the NFL, easily. Yeah, a pathological narcissist. Yeah, depending on where you put him on a spectrum of personality disorder, he's he's on it. So I wonder how it affected him seeing the entire waking sports world in simpler times revolve around Brett Favre. And to me, I wonder if it made him jealous at the time. And now he wants the same sort of fanfare and obsession around him that Brett Favre got then, even though life is totally different now. And that level of focus doesn't exist for any one singular person anymore to that extent. I hope Corey Wooten's waiting for him on a, on a cold field in Minnesota, if that's the case. That he's just trying to sort of recapitulate that. He's chasing that. Everybody hanging on his every word and every whim. It's it's possible, I guess, but at some point you just kind of can't play. And and I'm I'm telling you, watching Brady versus the Cowboys, it was the first time that I've ever because you know I I have been shout out to Stu Gotts, you know I I care about you, don't make that mistake. I've been the person going, no, nah, you know Brady's gonna figure some of this stuff out. That game against Dallas was the first time that I was like, ooh, wow, Tom. Tom Brady's scared. If Tom Brady's scared, that's it. And once you get to that point, and he had already kind of walked away from the game anyway, once you get to that point where you don't want to do any of the stuff that goes along with you being great, like understanding the mountain that you have to climb to to lead a team that isn't really good to that place, I I totally get the you know what I'm done. I thought I was done, and I wasn't. And then I came back here, and now I realize why I thought I was done. God bless you, babe, and enjoy Chinooka. Have a wonderful time. <laughs> All roads lead back to Smokey. Don't. Oh, don't go down that road. But you know who would be mad about that? Aaron Rodgers, because that particular road isn't leading back to him either. Well, not yet, but he'll figure out a way. He'll figure out a way to change the narrative over the next uh, week. By the time he gets back on the Pat McAfee show, I'm guessing live from Arizona next week, there'll be something. I should have just gone by the time I get to Arizona. I was thinking that too. Yeah, that was right there, and we didn't. Anyway, but yeah, that that's something where where I think that he will jump up and oh, well, you know, trade. That's 
I guess that's where we're headed. Like, even yesterday, he was talking about it. That's how, just passive fatalism yes. is a bad look. But here's the if thing. you want to be in charge, and if your ego, just then be in charge and say, my decision is upcoming in eight days and, and four hours and seven minutes, and you'll, you'll know then. And that's why I think it's entirely colored by Brett Favre. Yeah, by the time I get to Arizona, you want it, you got it. So to me, like if it were just about securing the bag, then he wouldn't be doing this still. Well, the bag, yeah, for Aaron Rodgers, the bag has been secured. Correct. So that's why I think this is more about his ego and the fact that Brett Favre got bigger fanfare than what Aaron Rodgers is getting now. You just have to make sure when you get on the other side of that green grass that you water it. Because that was that was his nugget that he gave us last week, and he thought it was a drop the mic moment. It's kind of lame. He's like, the grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where you water it. And then they were both kind of like, oh, Ooh. that was a bar. That was a bar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Aaron, that was a bar. I mean, I get it. I'm AJ Hawk, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> who would claim to be that? Who is not? So this is this is the thing that came to me. You, you just used the word. You've been talking about eighty for Brady, yeah, and about Rita Moreno, yeah, yeah, being an egot, uh huh, right? And that's alphabetical order of Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, Gil. I propose we change it to Grammy, Oscar, Tony, Emmy to goat. goat. Why are we messing around with a clunky EGOT? Well, you could be a goat. Hmm. You did entertainment has to be different like that. You did mention 80 for Brady, which gives me this opportunity to play Jane Fonda talking about football. I'm a baseball gal myself. I don't really understand football. But, um, yes, uh, women love sports, and it's nice to see a film that shows older women are still out there rooting for, for their Athletic heroes. <laughs> I don't really understand this movie that I made. You don't have to. No. All right. Jane. Neat. You got to love football. Let me say it again. You don't have to love football. You got to really love football. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> so we've had, we've had a Tressman drop and a Boylan drop so far today. Come on now. My favorite Tressman is still the wine. It's, it's Throw the man? I haven't heard any of that. I haven't heard any of that. I didn't hear all of it. I heard a lot about most of it, but what I did hear, I did not hear any of that. I had a chance to meet with Jay 10 years ago in a hotel room in Raleigh, North Carolina. When you think about it, that statement really covers all the bases. Not the J one. But at the least other he met one. with him. Unlike Ryan Pace. Okay. Out here lying to quarterbacks. What What do you think my reaction was when I heard that? So our reaction. Was, I definitely wanted to throw things through other things. I I I just don't let it get me that bad yeah, anymore. Yeah, we, we we had this very muted reaction to it, and my whole thing was the bad man's not here anymore. So he can't hurt you anymore. And guess who's the quarterback of the Bears? Right. Justin Fields. Yeah. You know, if We're I had that many land. years at a job, maybe I'd probably get it right too if I traded enough first rounders and traded up to get other first rounders. No and- doubt. But it did give some added context to that Monday night game or Sunday night game where Patrick Mahomes is out here counting. Thank you. And a bunch of people got upset. We're like, he should blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why do you care what he does? 
Why do you care where he finds his motivation? Yep, that's exactly what Jordan would have done. Because they're trying to tell him how to act, and that's a whole separate topic. And I might DeAndre AJ! That might upset some texters who are texting and upset that we triggered him. I will say this about it, though. Rankin's off the rails. I know. You're on it today. He's playing all my favorite drops. So This is what I keep telling him. Just do it. Like, yeah. empty, empty the clip. If you got stuff and it makes sense, and sometimes even if it doesn't, just play it. The GOTS principle. It's an acronym. Games off the schedule. Do you have Olatasp? We still forget about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Olatasp. Olatasp is very much a thing. I, I will Wait, also. What's Olatasp? Obvious lack of talent at the skill positions. <laughs> oh, my God. Grody is the one who coined that obvious mm-hmm. term. It's true. Uh, but I also want to just say this before we go, since we're talking about that. When I bring up Saban and the best practices and how he could also be this elevator of people in a way that he hasn't previously been. Brian Pace, that's what happens when you have no best practices whatsoever. And you think you're the smartest person in the room. You're the smartest person in exactly zero rooms at the time. That's why he hangs in the doorway. Hey, you fired up? We're fired up about that. He's in the doorway. so I can't say it enough. I mean, with the obvious lack of talent at skill positions. Uh, We have a request from 815 for Weights and Fish. (laughs) We got Weights and Fish! There we go! Dinner. <laughs> I knew it the whole time. Wait, wait, wait. I'm looking at the rundown here. Um, I don't really partake in it until somebody sends up a big bag of beef. Is this right? What? Are we getting ready to talk about the White Sox? No, no, no. Well, do I'm, we want I, to? It says here White Sox. I do have the paragraph from uh, what James Fegan wrote for the national story in The Athletic grading all MLB offseason. Oh, Play the Trustman. No. Play the Trustman. I haven't heard any of that. I didn't hear all of it. I heard a lot about most of it, but what I did hear, I did not hear any of that. How does that not apply to the White Sox season so far? So, White Sox talk, huh? Sure. Next on the score. Place, not that not that talent. Right. Yeah, there's no question about it. Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. So, so White Sox. You, you really just want to read the James Began paragraph? Yes. It will sh- it shall forever be known as the James Began paragraph. The athletic MLB staff weighed in with off-season grades for all 30 teams. The baseball staff tasked with assigning a letter grade to each team's off-season. The average mark was a B-, an indication the staff isn't necessarily populated with overly tough graders. There were a few outliers. The New York Mets received an A-, the Philadelphia Phillies and Texas Rangers also received an A-. Then there's a lot of B-pluses and and Bs. You say, well, where are the Cubs? They got a B from Patrick Mooney. And at the very, very bottom, the very last paragraph, right above what did you think of this story? It says Chicago White Sox, grade F. Oh. (laughs) Yay. 
James Fegan, which also starts with F, wrote this. Don't bring him into this. There was a litany of supplementary ways the White Sox could improve the roster, but their primary needs were left fielder, second base, and filling the last spot of their rotation. Currently, they're lined up to rely on internal options for second base, and the starting pitcher they signed is the subject of a league investigation into stomach-turning domestic violence and child abuse allegations, bringing disgrace upon a franchise that has had too many stories of personal misconduct in recent years. Facts. They probably can't expect him to cover many innings either, given where things currently stand. The Andrew Benintendi signing is good. <laughs> Grade F. The Andrew Benintendi signing is good. <laughs> it's it's you know what it is? It's Peppy's tacos. They're they're very they're good, good tacos. tacos. Yes. That's the Andrew Benintendi signing. Yes, it's a good signing. It's a very good sign. That's all we're going to say. That, it, it's just it's one of the most honest Chicagoland advertisements of all time. Peppy's tacos are very good tacos. They're very good. And everyone says, yes. Guys. Yes, they are. These tacos that we got here at Peppy's, very good. Mm-hmm. Another tale from East Texas while we're here. Sure. Since the Mahomes has started it. There's a place we used to like to go to called Decent Food Stop. Really? What do they decent. have? What do they have? The decent food. My stuff? guess is decent food. Some stuff like they they had your traditional like Chex Mix, but they didn't have all the flavors. They just had the one. Was it a convenience store? Yes, decent oh. food stop. Is okay. it the East Texas version of Wawa? Hell no. There is no East Texas version of Wawa. Wawa is its own thing. Bucky's would be the Texas like variation. I don't think that's East Texas necessarily. There's okay. a Bucky's that's in mobile stations, right? Bucky's is a gas station slash Walmart size convenience store. I've, I've seen Bucky's around here. No, you have not. Yeah, there's one in Vernon Hills, I think. Oh, is, is it with I, the on sixty? Yeah, I, I thought you meant like right. the city. Yeah, and I'm a, like that's physically impossible. No, there is because I remember when I used to take Jason to a hockey camp at Glacier. B-U-C hyphen E-E-S. Oh, no, it's different. This is this is B-U-C-K-Y apostrophe S, I think. Yeah, oh, Milwaukee. Okay, yeah. so there is a buck. And it's in a, and it's a, in a mobile. But, it's, but not, it's different. I'm not as crazy about them as everybody else, but I do like the variety of things. And but I, the Decent Food Stop was none of that. I've been trying to explain. Decent Food Stop, you were lucky if they had, like, Coke and Diet Coke. I, I was, and I, I'm not doing an adequate job explaining this, but what, as Jason's preparing for college... In Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, due to FAA he rules, is. he can't land his helicopter outside Dodger Stadium. <laughs> he, 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 <laughs> you see, our guy Bill was giving it to John Feinstein on Twitter last night too. It was a riot. Fool um, me once, yeah. Uh, Fool th- me twice. Th- we, I'm John Feinstein. Because and, and Jason said, "What's sheets?" S H E E T Z. Oh, they got a sheet. And apparently, it's among the Bucknellians. It's a very, very popular destination. And I couldn't adequately explain. Like, is it, Wawa is is a convenience store. Sheets was a gas station. No, there are became, Wawa gas stations. Okay, because I but but like one side of Pennsylvania is Wawa territory, and the other Sheets Eastern territory. Eastern is Wawa, Western is Sheets. Okay, this is central. This is like an hour north of Harrisburg. It's all hell breaks loose in the middle. Pennsylvania. I don't know what you get there. You okay, get both. Because my roommate from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, same same pronunciation, prefers Sheets. Because okay, I didn't know how to explain really what a a Sheets. Is there's food? Wawa there, right? focuses on what they call hoagies. Hoagies. <laughs> Sheets focuses on 
other prepared foods. Okay. Sheets with a Z. Lawrence, how are you feeling about all this? I feel great about it. I like to learn stuff like this so that when I go to other places, I can, you know, assimilate a little bit. I I tried sheets. I don't know. I got to give it another shot. Isn't I'm John, partial to Wawa. John Fetterman, Senator Fetter, Fetterman's he's, a sh- he's sheets guy, right? Because he's Western Pennsylvania, oh. yeah. Okay. Feinstein. Uh, he's <laughs> Fool me once. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. I'm John Feinstein. Did you see what Feinstein was tweeting yesterday? Oh, that was a whole mess. Yeah. Feinstein was t- tweeted this Bobby Hull story. Like, went into great detail yeah, about- When I was a kid, I waited outside the player's entrance at MSG after games to try to get autographs. Hull came out, and he did this little thread about how he gave him an autograph. And our guy, Bill from Capitol Hill. Said, like, Just nuked him. Says, You're a sports minute guy, you say. And then Feinstein tweeted back at him, which means what? <laughs> and he said, your thoughts, minute or otherwise, sorely test the proposition that life is too short. <laughs> I've been laughing. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back. <laughs> just, I was just dying about it. Just we, go get a hoagie. We will talk hoagie. about Tom Brady. Some penis and cracker we need to cut that off. Pennsylvania and just crack. accent. That's that's oh, the next. No, stop it, Smokey. No, <laughs> you're cut off. Remember, Bears talk, Brady talk next. Zero the score. God bless you, babe, and enjoy Chinooka. Have a wonderful time. For the record, it took a while, but she did divorce me. I'm John Feinstein. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 